0: That Alana mentioned, that James one twenty seven. But today is Father's Day, and I do want to just obviously recognize fathers. Thank you for all those men that have taken seriously the role of being a father. We honor you, and we're thankful for you because understand our role is to, as fathers, we're supposed to model our heavenly Father to our families. That is is our job for those so for those of you that are doing that, I just want to honor you guys today. But understand, our world is in a constant attack against the Father. There is a, an owl, owl assault. you ever watch sitcoms? Who's the buffoon of the family? Dad. Always the Father. The Father has no answers. He's going to trip and fall, drop something, set something on fire. He's always an idiot. And that's what's been going on for years and years and years. There's been an attack on the Father. And what's happened is because of that attitude, it's contributed to a lot of fathers not fulfilling their God-given duties as fathers. Right. Thus leaving many children fatherless. Now, that does not mean that there's not a father in the home, because there are certainly times where a father's not in the home and that makes them fatherless. But there are a lot of homes where there is a father who lives in that home and yet they are still fatherless. That might be your story. That was my story growing up. Not having someone in your life that would point you to God. Not somebody who would, who would show you the, the love of the Lord, who would teach and, re- and model Christ for you. So here are this issue of these people that are... The fatherless, And today we're going to consider from that verse, James one we we're going to look at the issue of fatherlessness. We're going to also look at the fact of what God's call is for the church and what it is we're to do. And what you'll recognize and see in that verse is you'll see a lot of things we talked about in the Passion Center. And it's going on in Malawi. You'll see them mirrored in them. James one twenty seven says this, Pure religion and undefiled before God. And the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted, from the world. So we're going to look at this from the perspective of the fact that as God intends for the faith, our faith, to those that are vulnerable, our job is to be is to be hands and feet to them. And what he's going to do for today, and that verse is going to define for us our accountability, our responsibility, our vulnerability, and our sanctity. And our message this morning is titled Visiting the Fatherless. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of this time. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, I do pray that you'll help me to get out of the way. You know, my stumbling tongue can get uh, to be my problem. And Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be removed from this uh, message, God, that you would speak truth to our hearts. And Lord, help us to receive what it is that you have for us, not what I intend, but what you intend. And I just thank you for what you'll do. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, let's read it, James 1.27, Pure religion and undefiled before God, and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. And so there's a need to those that are most vulnerable. And what you'll find in Scripture is the fact that we see this, this uh, two groups of the widows and the fatherless. You'll find that time and time again they show up in Scripture. In Deuteronomy alone we find ten different times where God uses them, the, the fatherless and the widows, and talking about making provision for them. Reason being, understand, God designed the home to be led by a father. It is a picture of our being led by our father. God is to be the head of the body. And understand, the father's job and role is to fulfill that role. But what happens as we have situations where there are the fatherless, and there are the widows, and there is no man to fulfill that role, what we find is God calls the church to fulfill that physical role while he takes it on spiritually. So we function as the hands and feet of Christ while God becomes their Heavenly Father. When we come to the Word of God, we're always constantly learning and growing. And what we're, our job is as preachers and teachers and those that we'll share with others, our job is always to direct people to the Father. Right. We're never the answer. We are never the solution. It's not our advice. It's not our insight that's going to help anybody. It's going to be what they'll gain from this Word because God reveals Himself through His Word. We know that the Bible is the mind, the mind of Christ. But we see... That is, God talks about what we do in our spiritual works. He lists it as pure religion and undefiled. From James 1 verses 1 through 25, what you see is the fact that God kind of talks about the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. The struggle that we had to try to live within this fleshly body and yet be a, a spiritual representation of him. He talks about the dynamics of that relationship and he talks about temptation. He mentions double-mindedness. He mentions lust. Here's the struggle for us to try to do things right, to do things godly. David mentioned in his message talking about pride and the overarching impact and the reason for all of this is pride. It's our love of ourselves. And so what he does is he we move to that first step we talked about, which is our accountability. Notice this, it says, pure religion undefiled before God and the Father is this. So our works in the name of God, which we would call our our religion, understand. Now you guys have heard me preach against religion. And I'm telling you, I'm talking about the religion of man. The rules of men. But understand, pure religion is literally a manifestation of God functioning through a body. It's the way that the church is supposed to be. Understand, we have a natural tendency towards religion. We're all drawn to it. You go anywhere in the world, there are religious beliefs in every culture that you'll find. So we have a natural tendency to want to worship. But our problem is our natural tendency to worship is to idols. We naturally worship Self. We naturally worship worship things. We worship people for goodness sakes. You know, if Brad Pitt walked in here, you wouldn't all just be like, oh, ah, there's Brad. <laughs> You're like, Brad Pitt! What, what? we all freaking out, right? I freak out too. My wife just said my wife used to say I look like Brad Pitt and I'm like, I mean I'm better looking. No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> But the point is, we have a tendency to, to want to worship things. And what happens is, in like, fact, we do it instead of God. We do it in spite of God. But understand that our religious works, now understand, whether it be ministering to the needy, being mothers or fathers, serving as employees, or sharing the gospel, they must be done for God's glory. See, what man's religion does is it diverts attention to humanity. It diverts religion to to us and understand our job is to constantly give glory to God. Colossians 3 verses 23 through 24 says this and whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ. That's who we serve and then so in doing so we recognize that there's a need, a need here and if it's in our power to help these people that are in need, these most vulnerable, then we need to do it—not for ourselves. Right. See, this is the upper, this is the problem. People do good things for other people because it makes them feel good about themselves, yes. right? If I'm going to give you a sandwich on the street, I'm going to be like, "Here you go, pay smile, ka-ching." <laughs> Let's get that on Instagram right away. People need to know I'm a good guy, right? Unfortunately, we're just selfish by nature. It's who we are. And what happens is that God's calling us to do the things that we do as an extension of Him. When we hear that expression being the hands and feet of Christ, understand, because God knows our intentions. He knows our heart. We won't fool Him. You can look the part. You can be religious all day long. And you can say all the right things and do the right things. But in the end, we will give an account to God. And you know what? He sees right through our junk. He says this in 2 Corinthians 5.10. So says, so For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done. This is it. Your works, whether it be good or bad. So our ministering must be done through charity. When we go to Colossians, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, and we look in that, the first three verses, you're going to see that Paul is addressing the issue of service. He's like, man, if I could speak so, you know, so eloquently, I could speak almost like an angel. If I, could, if I, could, if I had the faith that they that could move mountains. If I gave my body to be burned, if I gave everything that I have, and the qualifier every time. He says, but if I have not charity, it is nothing. So when I will stand before the Lord one day, and He looks at my works, if my motive was self, guess what? It all burns up. Yes. It was a waste of time. I got the accolades of men. As God tells, uh, speaking of the Pharisees, he says, look, you know what? They want the accolades of men. They have received their reward. They're gonna, that's all they're going to get. And you and I will miss out on what we could do for the glory of God. Again, it's so important that this is the manifestation of God's love. That's what charity is. Work through a human being. The manifestation of God's love. Meaning we do it for God's glory. Right? The Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your work, good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. When it's done the right way, God gets glory. When it's done the wrong way, we get the glory. Then he points to our responsibility. Notice he says next, to visit the fatherless and the widows. Notice the wording. Visit. Visit. doesn't say, let them come to me. Mm. Right? No? We're not to add to their struggle. Because a lot of us have this attitude, like, look, if they really want help, they're going to come and get it true that's the mindset of the mentality of humanity we are pessimistic by nature as people and you know what our culture unfortunately has made us that way but what we have to understand is in fact listen we're supposed to go to them it says visit them now this might be uncomfortable can I tell you that the flights they're not fun I'm just going to tell you straight up you're not like they're going, man, this is great. I just love having my knee crammed up against this seat for 16 hours straight. And that guy keeps leaning back. And that person smells horrible. And why in the world did that have to be dropped on the floor? And Why is that child screaming? And why are they kicking my seat? What is, it's not fun. <laughs> but we do it. And we say, you know what? But for the glory of God, right? We give grace to these people. It's an opportunity for us to be dead to ourselves when we travel over there. It's a way to be dead to ourselves as we travel back. So it may be uncomfortable. It might even be scary. Now, it doesn't even necessarily have to be physically. I'm not talking about going to Malawi, though that's an amazing opportunity. But see, sometimes it can be emotionally uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we want to, maybe there's someone who's in need and getting involved might be a little bit difficult, right? I got enough problems of my own. I don't need their problems on top of my problems. It's probably easier for me just to sort of just bow out. I'm probably not the person. But see, God gave you a story for a reason. He gave you experiences for a reason. He used his word to heal you through something for a reason. And you getting involved and getting doing something a little bit maybe uncomfortable can get us out of our selfish nature. Because we're always so focused upon how things impact us. But if you look back in your life and you think about moments or times perhaps when you were that one you were the one that was broken. You were the one that was in need. You were the one staring darkness down and feeling hopeless. And someone allowed God to use them to come into your life just to listen, just to care, just maybe even just to comfort you by putting their hand on your shoulder and telling you, you know what? Hey, man, I'm praying for you. Sometimes there are no words. Someone loses someone, what can we say? But you know what you can do? Just be there. Just be there. Have ears to hear. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. God wants us to be there for those that are in need. And so, those that are suffering listen, whether it be physically, emotionally, or spiritually, we're to be there, especially for our brothers and sisters. In Christ. Notice what it says in Galatians 6.10. It says, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. Notice the qualifier. Especially unto them who are of the household of faith. But not only are we to go to them, but listen, we must be willing to actually go to, to do so at personal risk. Notice the next thing. Number three. Vulnerability. So it says, Visit them. It says, In their affliction. Visit them in their affliction. So don't just go to them, but visit them in their affliction. What does this mean? What does it mean to visit someone in their affliction? It means that we invest ourselves into ministering to them. That we're willing to risk our own comforts, our own emotional whatever, and be with them in the midst of their suffering. Listen, that's what it means to be the hands and feet of Christ. It's not sitting back and going, yeah, you know, I going to pray for you for my comfort." no-threat environment so that I don't have to feel at all that I'm really investing, but I can tell you, hey, bad brain for you. See, that's our tendency because it's easy. And people like the path of least resistance. But you see, our example is Christ. Our example is the Lord. And guess what He did? He visited us in our affliction, right where we were. Philippians 2, 7 and 8 but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men on this earth and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. When we were sinful and when we were lost, he came to minister to us where we were. Mark 10.45 says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto. This is Jesus, Jesus speaking Himself. He says not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. And He ministered to our suffering through His own death. He visited us in our affliction. And so when we're ministering, to those around us, we need to do it selflessly. We need to do it sacrificially, not concerned necessarily about us, but about what God would have us to do. As Alana said every day, she was praying, "You know God get, get out of the way. Help me get out of the way, Get out of the way, get out of the way." Because it's a constant struggle. Our flesh wants us to be at comfort, but sometimes, you know what? God's work is not always comfortable. Having conversations with your neighbor. Who's lost and you know they're lost? It's easier to talk about football. That's not threatening. But talking about their soul, boy, that can be an uncomfortable situation. But it can have an eternal, an eternal impact. Jude 1 22 through 23 says this, and this was on their shirts when I saw them in their medical missions thing. It says this, and of some have compassion making a difference. That's 22. But listen to what 23 says, and others save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. I look at their life and it's a mess. Maybe they're spotted with disease. Maybe they're spotted with sin. I don't know what their circumstance is. I can hate their situation. I can hate their circumstance. But it says that what am I supposed to do? Pulling them out of the fire. If Alana's in a fire, she's burning. And she's in a burning fire. If I'm going to pull her out of the fire, what do I have to do? I have to reach in the fire right? I've got to be willing to make myself vulnerable to reach her. If I'm going to pull her out, it's because I put myself at risk, right? That's what He's telling us. Listen, this is not going to be a comfortable situation. There are going to be people that need us, and we've got to be willing to say, you know what? Whatever it takes, I'll be there. It's not easy, but you know what? That's what God's called us to do. The picture in Christ is that He saw us where we were and we were hopeless and lost and He came and gave Himself a sacrifice for many. That's what God's calling us to be. This pure religion and undefiled. Visit the widow and the fatherless in their, in their affliction. And understand the last thing. Jesus modeled, and Jesus modeled this for us and He modeled this in the entire world as He loves humanity and He knew that because of our lost condition that we were fatherless, right? He sees us spiritually fatherless. We don't have someone to hold on to. We don't have a father to draw us in, to heal us, to give us hope and point us in the direction for future. Second Corinthians six seventeen eighteen 18 says this. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Notice 18. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters. Said the Lord Almighty. Man, if your dad dropped the ball on the earth, you know what? People just do what they do. People make mistakes. But God provided a father, a creator that loves us unconditionally, who does not fail us, who does not turn this back on us, who does not forget about our birthdays, but honors our birth knows every element of us, looks at us at our lowest, most broken point doesn't judge us Amen. but loves us for who we can become we have a father so if your father dropped the ball, man hey, cling to this one Amen. your earthly father will always fail you, I cannot, make, I could write a book on how many times I have failed my kids but it's just being human we re- respond the wrong way. We don't realize what we said. We do stupid things because we're all selfish. But let me just tell you, our Heavenly Father is not selfish. He loves us unconditionally, and He poured His life's blood out on the cross to save us. But see, the issue was, is the fact, in that 2 Corinthians six seventeen, the one thing they had to do was let go of the world. Because the problem is, if we think the world is where you find your Father man, are you going to be broken when it's done? Broken and despondent. Let go of the world and cling to your Father. This points us to the last thing, our sanctity. Notice the very last phrase. And to keep himself unspotted from the world. Being unspotted is actually referencing the lambs that would be given in sacrifice for the atonement of sin in the Old Testament. Now, when we receive Christ, understand, God wipes away our sin but we see these example of a of a spotless lamb now in numbers 28 and 29 it's defined for us it's described for us what these lambs look like but in 1 Peter 1.19 we hear this it says but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot and through the through the perfect sinless blood of Christ you and I listen we though we're not righteous we can become righteous not because of who we are not because of what we do but because of the faith we put in in him. See, his righteousness is applied to our lives. Praise God, because otherwise we would be without hope. But, understand, here we are, with a desire to serve God. But there's another word that sticks out, which is kind of interesting. Which is this. It says, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Keep himself unspotted from the world. So, Even though we have received Christ, though we might be saved, we might have eternal life through faith in Christ. Amen. Understand, we can still struggle with sin. We can still have struggles in our lives. And if they go unrepented of, guess what? Our sinful acts, you know what they do? They make us unusable. We're not who we need to be. God's intention is that we would be used by Him. Meaning, listen, that God wants to minister to the needs of those around us but because of our own issues we become unqualified though we're still saved though we're still a child of God we're unqualified because of the things that we've allowed into our lives again that's why we draw ourselves to God listen our job is to reach the fatherless our job is to is to portray Christ to this world through the way we live the way we respond the things that we say the, the life that we live but see the thing stopping us from doing this Listen, it's not because there's a a lack of people (laughs) in need. That's certainly not the problem. It's not our own inability. Because guess what? It's not about us in the first place. Our issue is our sin. It's the things we allow to adulterate our Christian walk. And they affect our usefulness for God. Look, the world is filled with spiritual orphans. They're everywhere. We were spiritual orphans. Yes. If you don't know Christ today, that's where you stand. But listen, God's intention and desire is that He would be their Father. That listen, God would use us to take these broken people, that they're broken and and, and, and hurting moments, and draw them to God. He can restore the most broken. There are stories in this room of people that were absolutely wrecked, ready to be done with life. And God brought them out of the mire and the muck and the dirt and He cleaned them up and He put them on their feet and He strengthened them and restored them and now He's using their life to help other people. How remarkable is that? And we need not find ourselves to be hopeless in any circumstance because with God there is always, always hope no matter who we are. We see examples of the most messed up people in the world that God can turn around. And some of you are sitting in this room. Someone, some of them is preaching to you guys. Some of them, that's not even, that's terrible English. I don't know how you say that, but anyway, y'all get the point. <laughs> the, le- the Lord wants to reconcile humanity back to him. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says this, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us, listen, the ministry of Reconciliation. It's why we're here. It's why we're here. But in order for God to restore those that are estranged from Him, guess what it'll take? We need to be accountable to the mission He's entrusted us with. We need to be responsible to answer the call to serve the hurting. We must be willing to be vulnerable to reach those that God's calling us to reach. And we need to live a life that's sanctified so that God can work through us. Listen, every single day, God's heartbeat and desire is to reach this world. To reach your lost friend, your lost family member. Every single day, his desire is to use his children to reach out and visit the fatherless. Our world's filled with them. We look for orphans on the other side of the world, but can I promise you, you're surrounded by orphans every single day. Is there work to be done there? Oh, absolutely. Will we do it? Oh, we'll do the very best that we can. That Malawi container is three quarters, it's about 80, 70% full right now. In the next few months, it's going to be absolutely packed out. I have a wish list that I'm going to share with you guys, not today, but I have a wish list that they gave me. I went around and said, look, what are specific things that you guys tell me that you need? We've got a specific list of things, and we're going to make sure that that, every one of those things is in there. We're going to give you other ways that you can also contribute, other things that you can do. But we can't lose sight of this mission field. This is where we live. For such a time as this, we are where we are. And if you live in a dark neighborhood, you live in a dark place, you work at a place where everyone hates God, well, guess what? For such a time as this, you just happen to be where you are. And God can break through no matter how dark the darkness, God can break through with just a little bit of light. The Bible says that you are let your light. The key word is let. doesn't say make. Let. You don't have to fabricate the light. You don't have to pretend to be loving. What you need to do is get your flesh out of the way. And guess what? The love of God will pour out of you. Amen. Your long-suffering, the kindness, the love, all the joy that can, you could ever imagine can pour out of your life if you'll just get your flesh out of the way. We are our own worst enemy. If we'll give it to God, He can do something miraculous through our life. We've got an amazing opportunity where the world is right now. Liz and I were talking about before church. The darker the world gets... The more desperate the world becomes, the more impact light and hope have. Desperate situations open people's hearts. So as this place spins its way to hell, guess what we need to do? Shine brighter than we ever have Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for today, for your love for us and for the work that you're doing. Lord, in the Passion Center, what you're doing here at Hope Baptist Church and in our local community, and what you're doing through my brothers and sisters, each of them have been entrusted with a ministry to reach out to those around them. And Lord, I pray that you help us to take responsibility for it. Help us to realize our accountability, take responsibility. We're willing to be vulnerable and understand the fact that our job is to be sanctified from this world so that you can use us in a mighty way. God, what a simple, clear, straightforward truth we see from James 127. Help us, Lord, to live it. Help us not just see it modeled across the world. But Lord, help it to be modeled in our own daily walk. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, listen, if you're here today and you say, look, Pastor, I, I want God to use me in a great way, but you know what? I'm struggling right now. I've got issues in my flesh. I've got things that I've not surrendered to God. Would you pray for me that I can get these things right? I'm not going to call you out or point you up, but I will pray for you. Raise your hand and say, look, that's me. I've got some issues in my life. I don't mean you amen. I see those hands. Amen. Anybody else? Look, just pray for me that God would use me. I want to get out of his way. I'll definitely pray for you. And what if you're here today and you say, look, Pastor, I don't even know if I know Christ. Listen, 20 years ago, someone asked me if I were to die today, if I knew for sure I'd go to heaven. And I said, I hope so. That's a terrible answer. Can I tell you? You can know so. You can absolutely know. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the Lord shall be saved. The word shall means promise. God, the God of the universe that created all things, is giving a promise to us as humanity, saying, listen, if you will call out to me by faith, I shall save you, take you. I will save you from destruction and give you a home in heaven. But understand, it's not about just simply receiving heaven. It's about being restored to a God that loves you. That's what this is all about. God created us for a love relationship with Him, and our sin has separated us from Him. But if we will surrender to what He did on the cross recognizing our sin, He will restore us and redeem us. And if you're here today and you say, look, I've never had that happen to me. 20 years ago it happened to me. Changed my life and redirected everything. And if you've never received that gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, you have that chance today. I'm going to lead you in prayer. It will not be a magic prayer. There is no ceremony involved. None of that stuff. This is you and God. You know if He's gripping your heart. You know if He's calling you. If you're watching this recorded, and this is 20 years from now, you're in 2042, and you're looking back on this video, can I tell you, the feeling you feel in your heart is the same living God calling you that's calling yeah. those that are listening to it live. Amen. Yeah. All you have to do is respond. So with their heads bowed and eyes closed, if you want to receive Christ, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me in your heart and mind. Talk to Him, because I can promise you He's listening. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Repeat after me in your heart and mind. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I understand that I have failed you. I've failed myself. And I failed my family. God, I'm sorry for the mess I've made. But I believe that you love me in spite of it. That you saw me in my broken condition. And that when you went to the cross 2,000 years ago, you had me in mind. I'm asking you right now, in the best way I know how, to come into my heart save my soul and give me a home in heaven. Lord, I love you. And I'm so thankful that you love me back. Lord, thank you for saving me. I'll see you in heaven one day. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Head still.